Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. I always forget to, uh, so I'm going to do it. Welcome our online community. There are people that are uh, tuning in from all over the place. And uh, we thank you for creating space and investing in your own spiritual life. Not only uh, those of you online, but also those of us that showed up today in person. So, hey, some of you right now in real time are, you're in it. You're in it. You're deep in it. It might have something to do with your adult children. You're in it. It might have to do with uh, your health and some challenges, some setbacks, some news. You're, you're, You're in it. It might be in your most important relationships, your marriage, your aging parents, your children, but but you're in it. And those of you that maybe right now in real time aren't in it, you just came out of it. You're looking back on, oh man, I finally, finally, finally got through it. Maybe damaged a little bit, but I got through it. Maybe scarred a little bit, maybe still wounded from it, but... The worst is behind me. I feel like I'm in a, maybe a, a new season. And then there's that group of you that are about to get in it. You're not in it now. You haven't been through it lately, but it's in front of you, and you can't even see it this morning. But you're about to step in it. You're about to... Jump in it. You're about to experience pain, suffering, heartache, betrayal, disillusionment, despair, disappointment, darkness, it. Today we're going to look at the question, how do we walk through pain and suffering? And and where is God in the midst of crisis and tragedy? And what might God want me to learn? How might God want me to grow through this challenging season that I'm in? This dark, prolonged season that I'm in. So I'm going to start today by looking at what we might say are the sources of suffering around us. And I'm going to use a few F words. Just trying to see if you're awake. Here's three F phrases, the sources of suffering. First one is free choice. 
Free choice, free choice, free choice. You understand that when God created the planet, the earth, and everything in it, he created humanity because he wanted to experience a love relationship. You cannot force love. You cannot program love. Love isn't love unless we are free to choose love or choose indifference, to choose to lean in or to choose to rebel. And so God created humanity with a free choice. And so in that, there's a risk, isn't there? And the risk is that we would not choose to love God, that we would use our freedom and the freedom to choose either to love God and love each other, or we also have the freedom to disregard God, to ignore God, to rebel against God, and to mistreat each other, abuse each other, talk down to each other, think we're better than each other, violate each other. And it's this free will that's one of the causes of suffering in this world. People like you and me using our freedom to choose and we make poor decisions. And it impacts our relationship with God and it impacts those around us. Second F phrase for the source of suffering is fallen world. We live in a fallen world and this fallenness affects everything around us. It affects our culture, our behavior, our sense of right and wrong. This fallenness affects the natural world around us according to scripture. Diseases like cancer and heart disease and mental illness and Alzheimer's and you just keep naming them. They're the effects of sin in the world. And then you have natural disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. They're the reverberations of sin in our natural world. Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament, it reminds us that our world is corrupted by sin and groaning and struggling under the weight of it. There's a fallenness that we experience, and, and the reason that there's pain and suffering is because of this fallen world. And then the third source is the forces of evil. Some of you are like, what? The forces of evil are real. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, he talks about a real unseen spiritual world of evil that empowers and emboldens darkness. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And Jesus said, There is an enemy. There is an enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy what God's trying to build and grow in your life, in this church, in this world. Jesus said that we are to be praying that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven because the forces of evil are, are pushing against heaven coming to earth. And that's why we're praying that God would help bring, usher in, make all things new, heaven 
coming to earth. So we have free choice, fallen world, forces of evil. And then I want to take us back to an Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk. I actually had a, a class. In fact, Natalie and I had a class together uh, in seminary. And it was the Gospel of Mark and Habakkuk. And listen to, I think it's important to understand how different the book of Habakkuk is from the other Old Testament prophets. Uh, Habakkuk was unlike any other Old Testament prophet. He did not call the people of God and the people of Israel to repent of their sin. That's not what he does. Instead, he addresses his words to God, and listen to this. It's his personal struggle that he's expressing to believe that God really is good, especially because there's so much pain and suffering in the world. How, how can God be good? How can God be loving when there's so much pain and suffering in the world? That's addressed in the Old Testament. He goes right after it. Habakkuk chapter 1, this is how he begins the book. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Just stop right there. Raise your hand if you've ever called to God for help and you're like, he's not listening to me. Am I the only one? Yeah, we, that's, a, that's part of the human experience. It's normal and natural part of the spiritual journey that we cry out to God for help and we're wondering, does he hear me? Are my prayers hitting the ceiling? The Old Testament prophet, the spiritual leader had the same experience. How long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Whenever I look, wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. And aren't these the same questions and feelings that we live with, that we wrestle with, and it collides with our faith? And, and, and it's this very issue that has caused many, many people to wander away from the faith. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and God didn't hear my prayer, or he didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to, and so I don't believe in God anymore. He didn't do it. He didn't show up for me when I needed him most. That's the feeling. That's your experience. And many of us have seen people that begin to slowly drift away. That's why this is such an important topic this morning. Where is God? Doesn't he care about my pain? And so just for a moment, I'm going to kind of put the why question over here. And let's deal with the where question. Where is God? in the midst of our pain and suffering, in the midst of our deepest, darkest moments, when we're in that space, when we're in it, deeply in it, it's dark, there's, there's despair, we're disillusioned, we're wondering why, where is God in that? And I think the best place to look for God in the middle of our pain is in his word. That's actually what Paul writes in Romans 4, verse 18, it, Paul says, Abraham, when hope was dead, just stop right there, I love that. I love how the Bible's written. It's accessible. It's like the language is coming right out of our hearts. Abraham, 
the spiritual father, when hope was dead within him, that's everyone in this room. We have had those times in our lives, those seasons in our lives where we've been in it, and hope is dead within us. Well, he goes on to write, when hope was dead within him, he went on hoping in faith, believing that he would become the father of many nations, that God would fulfill his promise. And then it says he relied on the word of God. How did he get through it? How did he hold on to hope? He relied on the word of God, on the promise of God, which definitely referred to your descendants. Hebrews chapter 13, God says, I will never leave you. Never. What's that word never mean? Never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm closer than you think. I'm closer than the air that you're breathing right now. That's what God's saying to you this morning. God brought you here to remind you. He, he sees you. He knows the chapter, the season. He knows the it that you're in. And he says, I see you and I know you and I'm not turning my back on you. I'm with you in it. Psalm 34. Eugene Peterson paraphrased Psalm 34, 17 and 18 in the message. Listen to these words. Is anyone crying for help? God is listening, ready to rescue you. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you. He will help you. Catch your breath. I love that. It's translated this way in the New Living Translation. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. The Lord hears. He hears when you call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It begs the question this morning, is your spirit Crushed? Are you in it? Are you in a place in your life where you're broken hearted over a relationship, over health, over business, over money, over pain in your life from relationships? Scripture says that God is close. Where is he? He's right here. He's with you in it. And then Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. That's what God wants to do. He wants to bring healing where there's hurt. He wants to bring peace where there's a giant amount of pressure in your life. He, he wants to bring comfort where you're becoming callous and hard-hearted. He wants to bring comfort and care and compassion into your life. And so where is God? Where do we find God? We find God right, right with us, 
understanding our pain, seeing it. Tim Keller writes this, it cannot be that God is indifferent or detached from our condition. God takes our misery and suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself in the person of Jesus on the cross. And so where is God? I believe that God is here wanting to comfort you wanting you to come to him. You know, James says, if you, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. If you take a step toward God, just a baby step, he'll take 99 steps to come to you. You just have to take one step and God will take 999 steps to come to you. You just gotta take one step, draw near to God, one step, and he'll take the other 999 to come close to you. And so I want to, um, I want to, it's funny when you talk about pain and suffering, it's, it's fragile. I don't know if you're in it right now, but if you're in it right now, it's hard to hear a Bible verse slapped onto, you know, your pain and your suffering. It can feel cheap. It can feel Christian cliche. It can feel like, really? And so I don't want this message to come across that way. I want you to hear that God sees you. And I don't have the answer for your why. But why? I, I don't know. And I don't know that you'll ever know. That's the real mystery. It's the real struggle of the spiritual life. We don't always have the cliche answer. I can't just throw a Bible verse at you and you're going to go, oh, great, awesome. Changed my life. But God is with us in the midst of our pain. Scripture says that he understands it. He went through it himself. But for those of you that have just come out of it, don't miss the opportunity to ask, what did God want me to learn? What was it in that that maybe I could grow from? How might God want me to mature? And I just have some reflections here. What can I learn from my pain and suffering? Number one, it builds our character. James chapter 1, very famous verse. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible, I would encourage you to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, did, what? Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because God is up to something because God wants to grow you and transform you into a brand new person that's able to lean into and live out your God-given potential. And sometimes for him to get us to become that, we have to go through this journey of pain and suffering. 
And so we read, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, might be career-related, might be school-related, Anybody else ever get an F in college? I know, we, I know we have college students. I got an F, and I protested. <laughs> How could you give me an F? He goes, you never came to class. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I did some of the work. You got to at least give me a D. It's like, no, you never showed up. I'm like, what? Trials of many kinds. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you're getting an F in life. But God wants to do a work in you. God wants to grow your character. I can't remember the guy's name, but when Natalie and I were working at Mount Hermon, we were newly married. We were the staff counselors at the conference center. And there was, a, there was one of the leaders, one of the guys on the team. And I can't, I don't even remember the circumstances. I just remember, I was like, ah, oh, this is a hard summer. Just a hard summer. And he goes, character building summer. Like, what? Character building summer. Like, what are you talking? God's building your character. And I, it actually reframed it for me. I thought, God's doing some, the hard, the hard in my life right now. God's up to something. God's growing me. And that's what, what James writes here. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature complete whole healthy not lacking anything we need to persevere in order to grow up that's part of growing up. That's part of becoming mature. That's part of becoming an adult spiritually. And, and this phrase, don't miss it. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing. So whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're in it right now, that suffering and pain, it'll test your faith. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the crossroads of the spiritual life. I'm praying and God's not answering my prayers. My faith is being tested. Well, I thought God loved me. Where is he? Why isn't he answering my prayer? I thought God was all powerful. If he was, he could right now do the testing of my faith happens in these seasons of suffering and pain and hardship and heartache and betrayal and the ugliness of relationships and family relationships and it's hard. And what am I gonna do? Am I gonna turn my back on God because I'm thinking maybe he turned his back on me and I'm not trusting the promises that I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God's word says. Am I going to trust that or am I going to trust my feelings? This is where the rubber meets the road, friends, in our faith. When we suffer, when we experience pain 
And God is not rescuing us or delivering us, but we're in it. He's saying, persevere. Don't give up on me. Be faithful. Stay true. Keep walking the walk. Keep trusting God. And let him build your character in it. Here's the second thing I can learn from my pain and suffering. It deepens our trust. Can I trust God in the middle of the mystery? Can I trust God in the unknown, the why? I don't know the why. God, why am I in this? God, why can't we get pregnant? God, why did you let my mom die at 52 instead of 92? God, I prayed for my child and, and her sickness got worse, not better. Where are God? Will I trust God? When it feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling, I read a book back 30 years ago called Disappointment with God. The author's Philip Yancey. I recommend it. It really helped me get through a season where I was struggling to trust God in the midst of my pain and suffering. And he had an insight that really, it, it was a word of, from God for me. And here's what Philip Yancey wrote in this book. He said, we pray for the miracle and God wants to know, will you trust him when you don't get your miracle? He said, now just go back to the Old Testament. God brought the miracles for the people of Israel. He parted the Red Sea for crying out loud. And, and the people of God got through there and what did they do? Did they trust God more? No, they complained, they grumbled. They, they, they were pouty. They were tough to love. The miracle did not generate faith. It did not create more loving people. And what Philip Yancey, his insight is, is he says, miracles create miracle junkies. So if God gives you your miracle, you'll trust him if you get the next miracle and the next miracle and the next miracle. But if you don't get the miracle, you're not trusting him. What God wants to know is, will you trust me if you don't get your miracle? That's mature, adult, grown-up faith. It's not easy. It's graduate level, but it's how we mature when we face trials of many kinds, when we don't see perfectly, we don't know the answer to why is this happening? Will I trust God? And I pray and I pray and I pray and I don't get my miracle. Will I still trust that God is good? That God is loving? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, now we see things imperfectly. Right, so that, that's for somebody in this room. Because there's somebody in here thinking you see life perfectly. And you see everybody else perfectly too. Paul says... Now we see things, we, that's all of us, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but, but then there will be a day, but then when we're in heaven, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is what? Partial and incomplete. 
Just soak in that. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then, I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. There are some things that we'll never know completely. We only see things from a finite human being's perspective. We only see partially. So we're not going to know the why. There's a lot of our prayers that are going unanswered, and we don't know why. God might be trying to protect us from something. God might have something better for us. We don't know. Will I trust God? What can I learn? It deepens my trust. It deepens my trust. Here's the third lesson. My pain and suffering, it can become my future ministry. Did you know that? Your misery today can become your ministry tomorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes this. God comforts us in all our troubles. Why? Why? Why does God comfort us? Just so we can feel better? So that, whenever there's a so that, I like to ask why. So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So whatever it is that you're, the it that you stepped in or that you are in, that you're suffering from, that pain that's so real, maybe there's going to come a day where you're going to look back and say, wow, God used that awful dark time in my life. He was with me in it. He got me through it. It's not squeaky clean. It's not all tied up and in a bow and it's all good and I'm grateful for it. Maybe you're, maybe you're not even grateful for it. How can I be grateful for that? No, it sucks. It's terrible. But maybe your experience in it, God's going to use you for the next person, the person next to you who's in it, who doesn't understand the why, who's suffering and struggling. And maybe God is going to use you to comfort that person, to strengthen that person, to help that person, to encourage that person. But it, it takes reflecting it, it takes some strength. It, it takes some change of perspective that life isn't just about me and my comfort. I, I have to pivot and I have to go, well, maybe, maybe that season, that divorce, that ugly, yucky, crappy divorce that I went through, maybe at some point God's going to use the darkness of my story to help somebody else. Is that possible? Could, could God maybe have helped me through that to, to help me help a person through? Is that possible? See, God wants you and me to be on mission to bring heaven to earth, to help broken people experience wholeness and comfort and strength. Not just about me. God, just comfort me. God, just help me. Just God, it's all about me. No, pain and suffering 
God wants to use you at some point to comfort others. And here's the last reflection. What can I learn from my pain and suffering? Maybe it's that God's up to something bigger and better. And just think about right now with me. Remember back to Genesis, the story of Joseph. What a classic story. This guy betrayed by his family, rejected by his family. They took that that robe off him. They threw him in the pit. They mocked him, made fun of him, left him for dead. You follow the story. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He's got some of that leadership stuff. He's a person of character and integrity. God used that pain of the pit to help humble him and grow him into a young man that got elevated into leadership position. He's doing the right thing, making godly choices, and and Potiphar's wife, the leader's wife, was kind of like, hmm, dude, I like that Joseph, dude. Maybe, Maybe Joseph and I can have a little side action. And she came on to him, and he resisted, and he fled. And in her rejection, he did the right thing, the godly thing, but she felt rejected, so she made up a story that he came on to her and tried to seduce her. And so Joseph got thrown in prison. Wait a minute, God, I'm doing the right thing. I'm making godly choices. I'm honoring you. I'm a man of integrity, and my life's going from bad to worse. Now, I wonder if that might be you this morning. You're a good girl. You made all the right decisions. You honored your husband, served your family, brought him to church, read your Bible, prayed, journaled, fasted, honored the Sabbath, had solitude, did all the practicing the way, spiritual practices, and your husband cheated on you. And you're like, what? I did everything right. Why am I being punished? Why am I suffering? He should suffer. She should, whatever your story is. Joseph in prison. I mean, I don't know the story he was telling himself, but if I was in prison after living a life of integrity like that, I'd be like, Lord, I'm praying, man. What have you, where are you? But his story was not over in prison. God saw him. God favored him. God knew him. And God used, and God gave him the ability to interpret dreams that then took him from the pit of prison up into the palace where he became ruler and authority and leader And it brought, the whole story comes back around where his brothers now, there's a reunion and his brothers recognize him and going, oh my gosh, we we totally screwed him, turned our backs on him, betrayed him, and now he's in power, he's gonna have us killed. And they're like, oh my gosh, have mercy on us. And here's, listen to this reflection, Genesis chapter 50. Here's the maturity 
of Joseph's spiritual life. The spirit, listen to the spiritual vitality and wisdom in this. He says this to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God, but God. Where's the but God in your story? This situation, this person, this relationship, this whatever it is, intended to harm you. But God intended it all for good. God is still writing the story. God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Wow, what a perspective, what wisdom, what maturity. Not bitter, not I'm getting back, not retaliating, now's my time, I'm in the position, I'm gonna get back at my, no. He saw it through a spiritual lens. You intended to harm me, but God, but God was doing something. God's writing a different story, a better story, a bigger story. He's gonna use me to impact, to save the lives of many. What's your story? Lori Short has written more than one book on this whole topic. If you wanna dive deeper into the story that God's writing, he can use the setback and the heartache and the hardship and the suffering and the pain to do a greater work. So I'm gonna stop. Would you bow your heads with me? I have the band come up. I'm gonna have the prayer team come up. I understand that I cannot talk about this topic without it, it hitting people differently. And my prayer right now is that this message would land on a soft heart. How about right now, you just invite God close. God, you know every heart in this room, every home represented in this room. You know all the pains. You know all the heartache. You know all the prayers that have been prayed for years. God, I pray right now that your mercies would fall on us, that your compassion would fall on us. I pray right now that your unfailing love would fill us, comfort us, strengthen us. God, there are people in this space right here, right now, that, that like Abraham, hope has died within us. And I pray that you would give us the strength to keep hoping that you'll show up, that you will heal, that you will do what only you can do. I pray for the person in this room right now that's, that's just teetering on walking away from Jesus, on walking away from you, God, who's maybe you brought here just with just one last chance. I'm gonna give God one more chance God, I pray you'd show up right now for that person. Fill them with faith. Fill them with hope. Fill them with trust. Fill them with love. Fill them with courage to persevere, to not quit, to not give up. And I pray that you would show up. 
in ways that they, we, me, I, we can experience. We need you, Lord. And so come. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do what you do in this space, in this place. We want to receive your touch in this moment. And so come and touch us and transform us and help us in our time of need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we have, uh, we have our prayer team that's up here this morning. Nobody's perfect. Being on the prayer team doesn't mean that you got your life together. It means that on behalf of, of God, I'm going to pray over somebody else. And so you might be in a place where you want to come for prayer because what we've talked about this morning, you're in it. You're in it. And, and let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. Or maybe you've just come through it and you need the courage to let God use you to help others. But let's stand together. We're going to sing and we're going to worship and we're going to magnify God because we want him to get bigger and we want our problems to get smaller. So we're going to focus on him. But we invite you to come and receive the gift of prayer and blessing in your life. Let us pray for you.